Hello and welcome to another edition of Starside Chat. I am one of your hosts, Aaron, and uh, with me as always is Zach. How's it going, Zach? Good. There's been so much that has happened since the last time we talked, so we got to talk lots a lot of, of news. news. But we also want to talk about some games because I know you've been playing a game uh, that we you're excited to talk about, and I've been I playing am. some stuff. Yes. So maybe we'll cover that in the back half of the show. But so much news. Let's get right into it. Sony came out this week, and they were like, well, you know, Microsoft just bought Blizzard Activision. We're also going to buy something. Uh, <laughs> they bought so they bought Bungie. They, Sony bought Sony. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, realistically, this deal was probably in the works for a long time, and Microsoft kind of ate Sony's lunch a little bit by jumping the gun with that Activision Blizzard acquisition. Uh, but they did buy Bungie. That's a, a pretty cool move although it sounds like it's like destiny 2 is not going to go exclusive for sony so it's hard to tell exactly what this means going forward like what other games does bungie have in the works and are those going to be sony exclusives and like will bungie sort of stick to the original like 10 year timeline with destiny where they will eventually like move away from that game it's uh, it's very interesting. It's so weird because like Bungie made this big deal when they uh, became independent. And they were like, "Yeah, everything is great now. We have complete control." Yeah, and I feel like that was less than five years ago. It was not. And that now long. they're like, "Well, now, but now Sony owns us, so that's also great." <laughs> Congrats <laughs> to us. It is one um, of those things where they were like so happy to get away from Activision and also like everybody's been commenting on how strange it is to see Bungie that originally started as a Microsoft studio like they went like they went away from Microsoft because they they made Halo which is a Microsoft exclusive and then they got bought by Activision and they did not like working with Activision. So they got yeah. <laughs> away from Activision and like somehow amazingly were able to take like ownership of Destiny with them. So they didn't lose uh Destiny at all when they separated from Activision and they were like so happy to go independent and I thought that was sort of the end of it like they would have stayed independent forever just because of you know being under Microsoft and Activision did not suit them yeah. apparently. Um, but now they are under Sony. So like people were talking about how strange that is to see it go from like Microsoft to Sony. But, um, yeah, I, it doesn't sound like this is going to result in any significant changes for destiny, but who knows what that means. So yeah, we also saw an article or it was some bit of, I forget where this information came from, but basically Sony was like, yeah, Bungie's going to help us launch 10 live service games by 2026. Yeah. Which is four years from now. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Uh, I mean, PlayStation, I guess they're making more of an effort to go into like multiplayer online games. And if you're going to do that, like the only one that has like a successful track record of doing that is yeah. Bungie. So I guess it makes sense that you would want to buy them and say hey help us get this right because nobody else well and does. you also well we were texting about this and you also brought up like i wonder how many of these games are going to be phone games which i think is prescient and i think at least some of them will be yeah i don't know i wonder about that because uh sony 
really hasn't done much in the mobile space whereas like nintendo has tried to do that and i don't know that i would say that that has been successful for them but they've certainly tried (laughs) it's all about that i mean i don't think we have it in our show notes but another thing that came out this week is that um they want to bring warcraft to phones in the in the near future um and so that's another company that's shifting or at least testing the waters as far as uh, mobile games go. Well, in that regard, I mean, Bungie hasn't done anything mobile. So, I I mean, they're not going to be able to really help much with that, I wouldn't think. But Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, does this mean some sort of, I mean, I was going to say Final Fantasy live service game, but they already have an yeah. MMO. You know what I've heard is, and I cannot, um, I don't know if this is true or not, but that Final Fantasy VII first uh, soldier game that's exclusive to phones, it's like a battle royale, but it's all about, it takes place in like Midgar, and uh, it looks very similar to the remake, the Final Fantasy VII remake. I have heard that that's a really, really interesting and cool take on battle royales. Um, but it's only available on phones, so I obviously have not checked it out. But yeah. if they ever put it on like Steam, I would definitely try it out. Or, you know, PlayStation. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, like, I don't know if I am super interested in that. It seems like super bizarre to have like a shooter battle royale that's in the Final Fantasy. You can uh, breed franchise. and use chocobos in the battle royale. Really? Yeah, like there's a whole thing, I guess, where you're breeding your own chocobos and just like in Final Fantasy VII, different colors do different things. And then I guess somehow you can bring them into matches. It just seems insane to me. I haven't, I've watched a little bit of gameplay footage and it's just, it's very hard to parse what's going on. And that is somewhat exciting to me because I usually battle royals are just like, all right, I am very, even with that new super people one, I, I can pretty much tell exactly what's going on after watching like 30 seconds of it. So what's a Sony franchise that you can see coming out with, like, a game-as-service type of a game? Hmm. I don't think God of War is that. I was going to say, they're so known for single-player games. It's hard for me to think about them branching off into these, like, mixed multiplayer type of things. Yeah, yeah, that is weird. Unless they like try to bring back some franchises like Resistance or Killzone or something like that. Yeah. But I don't know much about those franchises either. Yeah, I played one of the Killzone games and it was fun, but I also had no idea what was going on. <laughs> I mean, Bungie will tell Sony that that does not matter. It's totally yeah, fine true. if you have no clue what the story is. Or well, Let me ask you this, because you're more a little bit more plugged into uh destiny these days how would you rather them conclude uh, destiny's story at the end of 10 years and start something new or continue destiny onward past the 10-year mark Mm, that's a good question because i am so like hot and cold on destiny that like i am as well there are definitely times where i'm like oh like this is really good and I would not mind seeing this just like continue on or even them like build a destiny three that is like 
even more advanced and like reworks some things. That's, I think, what I want is, like, I hate that it's called Destiny 2, and I feel like that's just a leftover Activision made them do this. Yeah. Uh, and I would love for them to come out and be like, no, this is the truth. This is like, you know, Destiny Forever or whatever. And they've made, like, changes to the system. It's not, it's like a slightly different engine even, I would love, but I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know, I guess. I don't know. Well, I mean, even going back to Destiny 2 after, like, a long time away, I'm always impressed by how good it looks and how well it runs. That it, like, there's also part of me that's like, they don't really even need to do much with this just because it still looks so good and it still runs so smooth. Like, of all the games that I play on PC, like, that one above like head and shoulders above everything else just like runs so well and so smooth and at such a like high frame rate that like i don't know maybe it is because the engine's a little bit older or like the the graphics are maybe not necessarily as like high end as some of the other games that are coming out but i mean it still looks good i mean i don't know they have for a while, Bungie has said, this was like a couple of years ago, they've said they are actively working on another IP. Yeah. Like another game in addition to Destiny. And I wonder if that was part of the sales pitch to Sony, if they were like, hey, you know, Destiny is great, but also take a look at this. That can be exclusive to Sony if you want it to be. And it's going to be like even bigger than Destiny. And like... There's cats in it or something. They're always <laughs> supposed to be cats in Destiny. Well, no, they're I mean, the speculation has to be that if they're working on a new IP, like, that probably is whatever follows up the end of Destiny. Like, whenever yeah. that ends up being, like, you would guess that that is what that is. And if that ends up being exclusive to Sony, like, that would make a lot of sense. Um, but... Like, what would that be? Is it another live service game? Is it another shooter? Like, It's got to be. It's got to be live. That's their bread and butter. I mean, it is now, but yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. It's definitely the biggest news of the week, but some other stuff happened as well. Yeah, so speaking of Sony, they did end up cutting their PS5 sales forecast by millions of units because of the ongoing supply shortages. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else there is to say about that other than it kind of sucks, but it, I mean, sort of the times we're living in, I guess. I don't really know. If I saw one in a store, I would buy one, but I have never physically seen a PlayStation 5 to this point. Yeah, it's a weird thing because, like, early on in the pandemic, when I guess it wasn't even that early on, they launched these consoles and they were like, well, we're going to try to avoid like putting them in stores because we don't <laughs> want a lot of people you know, like gathering in one place. Yeah. And that made Running some sense. But then like they never like moved away from that mindset. And so it has just I don't know if it is because they have, are having such trouble with the you know supply chain and like that's got to be moving it. it's got to be the, the chip shortage. Well, but I mean, they're still selling them. They're still selling them online. I don't know why they're not shipping them to stores at this point. I don't know. That's a good question. Because, yeah, you would have to think they also don't want them going to scalpers. So True. It's going to be a lot easier 
for scalpers to just buy them online than it would be to go to a store where employees can be like, no, you can only have one of these. Yeah, you can't buy 10 PlayStation 5s. Yeah. So, I don't know. I feel like it would also benefit them because also there are a lot of people who are not going to like sign up for the Twitter alerts to like be able to buy one online. But yeah. if they're in stores, they will go pick one up. And so I feel like that would help them sales-wise as well. But I guess what do I know? <laughs> but on the ac- the opposite end of this struggle is Nintendo, who said that they've sold now more units of the Switch than they have sold the Wii. and Which is crazy. That the Switch console is in the middle of its life cycle. So... Two crazy things. One, the Wii, like, maybe I'm just thinking of, you know, Wii Sports or whatever that game was and how popular that was and how it, like, drove sales of the Wii because everybody owned a Wii and the only game they owned was Wii Sports. Yeah. Um, And I guess the Switch probably sold a lot of units last year, not last year, 2020, because everybody was stuck at home and like Animal Crossing had just come out. Yeah. But yeah, there um, were a ton of people on Twitter who I follow that I was sure they would never be like tweeting about video games. And all of a sudden, all of them had a Switch and all of them were playing Animal Crossing. Yeah, so I feel like that was sort of the Switch's Wii Sports moment where they were just like moving a ton of units and yeah. specifically because of that game. And maybe that was a lot bigger deal for them than than i thought it was but uh what do you think about it being in the middle of its life cycle so we're already what five years in yeah so they expect it to go another five years i have mixed feelings about this on the one hand i'm glad because i do have a lot of switch games and i I, to me, a lot of digital. it almost doesn't even feel like it's been five years. You know what I mean? No, it doesn't. It's It's been quick. Like, to, um, if they were to come out with, like, a completely different console that even moved away from the, like, Switch um, style, mm-hmm. it would be like, ooh, it feels like you're moving a little fast. But also, <laughs> on the other hand, it feels like it does need a little bit more horsepower. And that's why I think it is disappointing that they were not able to launch the Switch Pro yeah. last year. So I feel like there will be some sort of midlife cycle upgrade at some point where if they're ever able to like work out this chip shortage thing, we'll get like a Switch Pro. Um, which I think, which I would check out, especially if uh, Breath of the Wild Two is gonna, you know, take advantage of that hardware. But yeah, I mean, the speculation is that Breath of the Wild Two and even this, uh, their most recent release, Pokemon Legends Arceus, was supposed to be Switch Pro titles, and mm-hmm. like they can point to stuff like in Arceus, like when you see a Pokemon off in the distance. It's running at like two frames. Yeah. <laughs> like you can definitely see like It is a, crazy to watch. It looks like a stop motion animation thing <laughs> happening. And it's just like you have to figure that they were like, Well, if this was on a Switch Pro, that would not be the case, but who knows? How much I mean do you think there's still a chance that when they release Breath of the Wild or like, you know, the first big gameplay of Breath of the Wild two, they're like, guess what? Also, here is an upgraded Switch version. 
I, yeah, I don't know. You have to wonder if they are sort of holding it back a little bit because they want to be able to launch it with a Switch Pro. But they did yeah. say that the sequel's on track for 2022 in a recent earnings Which call. Which is great. So I feel like it's more likely that the sequel probably ends up launching without the Switch Pro. Which will suck, but I mean, who knows if that's still in the cards for them just because of the chip shortage. I feel like the sequel will probably be ready to go before the chip shortage is like done being a problem. Yeah. They did also yeah, say you're that probably they're, right. they're not going to compete with Microsoft and Sony in the acquisitions arms race, which they makes sense. To. Yeah, they don't need yeah. to. Like we've talked about on a previous podcast, like their top 10 best-selling games are all Nintendo titles. They're not pulling, you know, from other companies. And, like all indie games like want to be on the Switch yeah. because they're going to sell like gangbusters. Yeah, exactly. So even like if something comes out as a console exclusive for Microsoft, eventually sometimes you will see those make their way to the Switch. Like last year, there was, I believe it was, um, what is that game where you're a bird? Death Store. Death Store. Yeah, so there was Death Store and there was... um, Yeah, because that was an exclusive. And then everyone was like, this would look great on Switch. Yeah, yeah, that one as well. Those both came out as console exclusives for Microsoft. Initially, they were on, um, they're even on Game Pass. And now they're both on Switch. So, yeah, (laughs) I mean, I feel like Sony, you're not going to see that happen. Like those games are not eventually going to make their way to the PlayStation, but they will come out on Switch. So Nintendo does still have a, fairly good working relationship with microsoft um and maybe that's just microsoft being smart enough to know that like this thing is going to sell well on the switch because everybody has a switch not everyone has an xbox so it's almost a different league like people who have nintendos are looking for nintendo type things and again it's that brand it's the nintendo brand that Mm -hmm. really is making all that money yeah so it's not like like Halo is never going to come out on Nintendo, but it doesn't matter because it's like it's a totally different right. uh, wheelhouses. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how much longer the Switch can go, especially if they are not able to launch a Switch Pro. But I mean, everything wants to come out on Switch, so all they need to do is release like one big title a year, like. Uh, Man, if they released a new Mario Odyssey, everyone's going to buy that. Like, that's going to be great. I wish they would do that. Well, and I feel like they are going to, maybe it won't be the next Mario Odyssey. Although, how crazy that there's only been one mainline Mario and Zelda on the Switch. Considering that we are at a place where Nintendo would normally be launching a new console. Because most Nintendo consoles last like five or six years. So... Especially mobile. I mean, I feel like there was a new DS every six months. (laughs) That's true. But what if I did want to switch Pro, Zach? You can't get one, but you can get a Steam Deck. I I mean, I don't know that you'll be able to get one. (laughs) Actually, it's worth you you keeping an eye on because not everybody is going to follow through on their pre-order. The uh, news that came out recently was that 
Steam is going to start sending out the first batch of emails on February 25th to the people who have already reserved the Steam Deck. And so mm-hmm. then you'll have an option to, to go in and say, yeah, I want to buy this. And then they will start shipping on February 28th. Now, I'm not in that initial window. I'm in the second round. So I will get mine in Q2. Um, that's pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting that this is finally going to happen. It feels like, you know, <laughs> this was supposed to happen months ago, but they, you yeah. know, they had to push it back. But, um, I don't know. Are you going to line up and be like, all right, when somebody decides not to check that email or decides to, you know, not buy it, you might be able to swoop in there. I'm interested for sure. Um, I'm not at the point where I'm going to buy it yet because I'm still thinking I'm, I want to get a PlayStation 5 before I get a Steam Deck. Mm. But uh, I don't know. It's it's every time I see videos of it, and I'm sure when people start getting them in their hands, there's going to be so many more videos of people oh, yeah. talking about yeah. like just the UI and how great it is. And that's probably going to push me over the edge, and I'm going to say now is the time. Right. But for now, I'm still like holding my breath. Well, and so... Considering your situation, because we talked a little bit about what you've been playing uh, over the last couple of weeks, and very often you'll play games on the Switch because that allows you to, like, hang out on the couch with your girlfriend while, like, watching something on, like, Netflix or, and you know, you've got, like, the Olympics happening now. So you don't have to sort of go off on your own and, like, play something on your computer or you know dominate the tv with a console so like having that portability is a big deal and to have your entire steam library available to you like on the couch like that's a pretty big deal it's pretty crazy yeah and the fact that you can also plug this thing into the tv if you want to right and use any kind of controller as long as it's bluetooth enabled Mm mm-hmm yeah, that's going to, I mean, it's enticing. I feel like that's every bit as good as having a PS5 at this point, aside from the it fact also that is like, maybe you just don't have some of those Sony exclusives. I think I talked about this on the last show, but I, I rebought uh, Into the Breach on Switch recently just because it was on sale for like $5, and I was like, oh, I remember liking this game. Mm-hmm. And it's super fun to play on Switch, but if I had this on, if I had a Steam Deck, one, I wouldn't have to buy it again. Right. And two, I could sit at my on my couch like I want to, but also use mouse and keyboard. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of that's having that flexibility certainly is a big draw. And like I know it, it does have those like touch pads that sort of gives you sort of sort of simulates having a mouse, mm. but yeah, to be able to just plug it into a monitor or like pop it into a dock on your TV. And you could probably still use like a mouse and keyboard if you're doing yeah. that. Um, yeah, it gives a lot of flexibility. I think it's like I'm really, really looking forward to getting it. Um, it's going to cost a lot. I'm not looking forward to that, but I don't <laughs> think I'm going to regret it because I think I'm going to use no. it a lot. Have they confirmed that it will uh, Halo Infinite work on it? Uh, that's a good question. I mean... Everybody has talked about how you're going to be able to play games that are not Steam games on it. So, Mm. and like you're going to have the option to just like run Windows or like, 
you know, whatever else on it. So you could like, in theory, you should be able to like access games from the Epic game store or, you know, the Xbox, uh, the Xbox app uh, for PC. Like, so in theory, I should be able to access my, um, Xbox game pass for PC games on it. But I don't know if they're necessarily like confirmed that they will run on it. They probably just, you know, you have to try it because they did say that there's going to be like within the Steam store, there's going to be like little icons that show, okay, this is confirmed to run on Steam or this one's like not confirmed, but like people have tried it and say it works, you know, like they'll Mm. have little indicators in there so that you'll know okay when i go to buy this game this is going to be this is going to work just out of the box uh with my steam deck Mm -hmm. so i i mean i don't know if there'll be like a similar website that will track that kind of thing for like non-steam games but i'm sure somebody will put that together a lot of the reason i like the steam deck is because of that the flexibility but that's also a lot of the reason I like Stadia is because I can play it on my PC or on my on anything on my phone or on my TV. Yeah, and you can play it with mouse and keyboard or controller. Exactly. And there was so this is kind of some bad news that came from a Business Insider. They reported that um, Google is sort of shifting its focus with Stadia to more uh like shifting away from the consumer side of things they say that their their focus on the consumer side is only down to about like 20 percent and they're focused more now on uh sort of white labeling uh, and licensing the tech to big companies uh they listed specifically peloton bungie and capcom and uh so that's a bummer if you're like a, a long time stadia user or if you like you know if you're somebody who is like looking at that chip shortage and looking at how hard it is to get a new console and you're like well i'm just going to play games through stadia because i don't have to buy any new hardware um it is a little bit of a bummer and i've been kind of following the story on the subreddit and there's a lot of people who are sort of spelling doom and gloom and and saying like, well, what's my incentive to stay subscribed to Stadia Pro or to, you know, continue buying games on Stadia if they're not really focused on the consumer side anymore? They're not really, um, you know, going out there to get the big AAA games that everybody wants. Mm. And uh, it's worth noting that like the the consumer side isn't going away. So they did say that they they do have another like a hundred plus games coming to the platform in 2022, and like your library is not going to go anywhere, and they they're still going to be bringing games to Stadia Pro. But um, yeah, it, it sounds like it's more uh, for Google anyway they're focused a little bit more on like trying to license the tech to other companies. Like last year, I think it was, they had uh, a deal with AT&T to put one of the Arkham, the Batman Arkham games um, in the browser for AT&T, which was bizarre because they like, clearly that game was running on Stadia, the Stadia tech but it didn't like the game itself didn't come to stadia so that people who like play on stadia could play it which was really weird 
Um, but like Capcom and Bungie sound like they want to be able to use it for like web-based demos of their games or something like that. Um, I, it's, it's just a weird story and it's just Google sort of being stupid about (laughs) how they operate (laughs) and how they, they run their stuff and just like not knowing it seems so strange to me that Google decided to get into this space and relatively quickly they are just like, oh, we didn't realize it was going to cost this much. We didn't know it would be <laughs> this hard to break into the games industry. And so they're just sort of quietly walking away from it. Although, like, uh, I, we were talking about it before we started recording. And I think at this point, the best case scenario for Stadia moving forward is um, the higher ups at Bungie go to their new owners and Sony and say, Hey, by the way, the Stadia tech's actually really good and you should totally buy it from Google and, <laughs> uh, have yourselves a nice X cloud competitor, but like bring everything that Stadia already has over to Sony and then let Sony start putting some of their stuff on it too. And suddenly you've got, a really good X cloud competitor. That would be great. Uh, Cause the tech is there. Like I have played yeah. at this point, like 75 hours of cyberpunk and I've definitely had times where it's not where I've seen glitches, but that possibly was just cyberpunk being cyberpunk. Um, there have definitely been a couple of times when like buffering has been an issue, but um, it's solid man. And it's like, like I think it is, the white labeling of it all makes sense to me because it is like impressive when it does work. And for something like a, like a Jeff Keeley thing, like he always likes to do the, the summer of games or whatever to replace E3. And a big part of that is getting those demos out of people's hands. And in previous years, there's been like demos on steam where you can check out all these games for a limited amount of time during the summer of gaming. But if he could just like, tweet a link i mean this is the promise of stadia if you could just tweet a link that everyone could click on and then you're automatically in that demo on your computer that's it's impressive technology and it's not like in some ways i am pro it just being you know licensed to other people to use as they see fit but it would also be great if uh sony was like oh yeah we'll definitely take this yeah and like as far as Google's concerned, I it is baffling to me that they just didn't make Stadia as, and like the store for Stadia just like an additional tab in the Play Store on your phone. So like, yeah. as you're swiping through Google Play Movies and TV looking for something to watch or rent, and you're you go to Google Play Books and see what they've got, why isn't there just an additional tab that's just Stadia? Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, there's so many ways that state they Google could have put Stadia in front of eyeballs, and they just never did it. And they were like, "Well, why isn't this thing taking off?" Like, well, because you're stupid. <laughs> like the I'm most sure basic if, things. If we did like a man on the street thing and just asked random people what Stadia is, I'm sure like 99 percent of them would have no idea. Yeah, exactly. That it even exists. Like they they never really followed through on like advertising and pr they like they did initially when they were announcing it and then after that like 
literally the NFL playoffs were just happening. Why were there not Stadia commercials saying, hey, do you yeah. want to play? Are you having trouble getting like a PS5 or an Xbox Series X? Well, guess what? You can play Rainbow Six Extraction or whatever that new game was that just came out. <laughs> you can play it in a browser with whatever hardware you've already got. Like, why did that not happen? Uh, it's crazy. It is baffling, and I don't know who made the decisions. It, it does sort of feel a little bit like um, like the higher-ups at Google who do not follow the games industry and don't know much about it just like received a really compelling pitch from somebody at some meeting that were like, hey, this is like a billion-dollar industry, and we can totally make this like streaming tech because you're a tech giant. Uh, and they were like, ooh, that sounds interesting. And, and they just had no concept whatsoever of how long <laughs> it would take to break in and how much money it would cost to, like, really flesh yeah. this out and, like, build, like, a, a compelling consumer uh, product that had, like, all the stuff. And they are like, yeah, we'll just get, you know, a big game like Red Dead Redemption 2 and everybody's going to want to buy that. And, and they, they, they didn't realize that, like, that's a game that's already a couple years old. And yeah. you don't like like every month they're like here's a new Stadia Pro title and I think the most like obvious one to me was the same month that Forza Horizon Five came out uh, on Game Pass and uh, Xbox they launched Dirt Five on Stadia and it was just like. <laughs> Is anyone logging into Stadia to play a game that's already <laughs> at least a year old when they could be yeah. playing Forza Horizon 5? Like, I get maybe if your your theory with Stadia is that the people who are playing on Stadia only play on Stadia, and they're looking over at the other side and like, oh man, there's this cool racing game that just came out. I wish I had a racing game. Like, here's Dirt 5, I guess. I guess that makes sense, but also, like, you're bringing out games that are like a couple of years old. Like it's hard to get people excited about that. Like they're just going to be on their Xbox playing Forza Horizon. They're picking 5. the wrong games also. Like if they yeah. picked like indie darlings that are not going to be super, like it doesn't need to have great graphics. You know, if they picked like yeah. uh, Hades even would be a great game to have on switch and it's not, well, and not they, on, they don't... uh, on Stadia. They don't even have the obvious like big games like there's no Fortnite. You don't have Apex Legends. Yeah. And the thing is, they've worked with EA like they have some EA games. And, and EA is a little bit of a baffling company as well, where they'll like go to a, even Nintendo and be like, we're going to put FIFA on there because that's our big seller. <laughs> and we'll see how that does. And if it does well, maybe we'll put some more stuff on it. And, and they what they don't realize is everybody that plays FIFA plays it on PlayStation and Xbox or PC. Yeah. They're not coming to Nintendo for that. But if, if EA put The Sims on the Switch, like ever, people play um, Animal Crossing. Like that's a similar – like. There's got to be some crossover in that audience that would definitely buy The Sims yeah. on the Switch. And but I think if EA you has made a Venn diagram, if you made a Venn diagram of people that buy Madden every year and people that played Mario Odyssey, it would be just two circles that are separate from each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if you made a similar one for The Sims and Animal Crossing, there would be a lot of crossover oh, yeah. there. They they would almost be completely overlapped. <laughs> A hundred percent. Yeah, that's they're leaving so much money on the table. So, Although I will say, I don't know how well The Sims were. I guess I've never played The Sims, but I would I would think that it's mainly a mouse and keyboard type thing. 
They they've been on console for years. Uh, have they? Uh, yeah, a, a previous girlfriend used to have like she specifically went out and bought like The Sims. It was like three or four uh, for PlayStation yeah. and would play it on my console like all the time. <laughs> so I mean, it, it's a thing that does do fairly well on console, or it certainly can. And I feel like if you're looking at the the amount of sales that uh, Nintendo got for Animal Crossing, you're like. Why wouldn't you put out your somewhat similar style of game on that console? Um, so EA is a baffling company. So maybe they're not a great example, but EA has put, you know, FIFA and Madden on Stadia, and they were like, "We're gonna just test the water, see how this does." And I guess they did also put um, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order on there. Um, but like why is the mass effect trilogy not on there why did they not try to put why did they not try to put battlefield on there like these are the games that people want they're the games that are um coming out certainly in the case of um mass effect like those games didn't come out for ps5 they didn't come out for xbox series x they came out on the ps4 which means for sure they could run on stadia and for whatever reason like i don't know if it's a miscommunication between ea and and google that they just like didn't go after like everything ea had in its library but the fact that the 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 ea library of games on stadia is so spotty is like a real baffling thing to me uh especially they put uh fallen order as a stadia pro game so it was free. Yeah, it was even a Stadia Pro game. It wasn't just they like put it on there, like, and that was kind of another thing. Like, as much as I love what Google did with Stadia Pro, as far as like making so many games available, uh, like it was one of those things where to me, like, it made sense to stay subscribed to Stadia Pro rather than actually buying games because eventually, if there was a game that you were interested in that came to Stadia. Like a lot of the time, if you just waited a couple of months, it would be a Stadia Pro title and you wouldn't have to buy it, which yeah, it's a little like, say, I mean, maybe it's not a good comparison because Microsoft does it with Game Pass where they have people just sub to it. And so they'll bring out a new game and it'll be day and date on Game Pass. But I do wonder if that hurt their sales. Just like bringing out something like Grime or the Dark Side Detective and some of those little indie games that were like Stadium Makers uh, program games and just like day and date launching them on pro so that they, you know, they didn't get the actual sale of that game, but they maybe got, yeah. you know, a pro sub. I don't know if one or the other is better for them, but um, yeah, it seems crazy to me that like, Ubisoft is the only company that was like all in on Stadia. Um, <laughs> if you like, it, it basically became known as like the Ubisoft streaming service because all of all of Ubisoft's games were on Stadia, and like no other company was like that present on the platform. And so, uh, part of me wonders if Ubisoft might try to swoop in and just buy <laughs> Stadia from them, but. Um, they could. I mean, who knows what's going on with uh, the Division series, but I feel like another one of those is probably in the works. 
Yeah, that's probably true. My my the reason why I hesitate to say that Ubisoft will definitely do that just because they have so much of their stuff already on Stadia is that yeah. Ubisoft is one of those companies that I mean they're huge but like I don't know, Microsoft might just buy them. <laughs> uh, they've probably got the money for that, right? I don't know. What do you think would happen? What do you think would happen if they did buy them and then to uh the Mario Rabbids games? Oh, that's interesting. Well, would they I mean, come out on uh, Xbox? That would be crazy. Oh man, yeah, that would be crazy. I can't even. See, I'd love that. Yeah, I can't even see a Mario game showing up on an Xbox console. But if Microsoft it. was able to buy Ubisoft, I guess it's possible. I mean, it's not a mainline Mario game, but yeah, that's interesting to think about. Um, I, not that that is like rumored or anything, but it's interesting no. to think about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but speaking of EA and all of their bizarreness, um, they did announce three new Star Wars games, uh, including I think three or no, it was two that are going to to come from Respawn, either by them directly developing it or from them publishing it. Uh, which is a weird thing, I guess, a thing I don't really understand about the games industry, that Respawn can publish a game even though they're owned by EA. I, yeah, is I, it like I by no extension? But, um, that was, it's confusing. That was the reporting I read anyway. That uh, So Respawn is uh, certainly developing the next Jedi Fallen Order game. Who's to say whether that will end up on Stadia or not? But um, you played some of the first one. Did you like it? I played like four or five hours of it because it was on Stadia Pro, so I uh, didn't have to pay for it at all. Um, it was cool and solid. I uh, am not super into Star Wars in general. Yeah. Like, I'm not like hungry for more Star Wars lore. That's kind of where I'm But at. I think there was Star Wars lore in this that people were excited about. Um, I don't know. It just didn't really hold me. It was also kind of like a dark... It was like a Souls-like a little bit where... Um, you had to get to certain places and there were checkpoints and then people would respawn. And I don't know. Uh, it was not what I was looking for at that time, but I could see someone getting really into it. it. It was a solid game and it had really beautiful cinematics and like the production values were crazy high. Yeah, that was kind of where I was at with it too, because when it initially came out, like I, I, I don't know if I am right now, but I was at the time sub to um, Origin premiere or whatever they call it they i feel like they've changed <laughs> the name of that a couple of times but uh so i was able to download it for free on pc and i started it um but i'm just like i'm kind of like you where i'm not like exactly hungry for more star wars content and also just that style of game is not super appealing to me um so i started it and fell off of it fairly quickly but um but it's a, a big thing for them, certainly. So them developing a new one, I'm sure they'll have more to say about it at some point this year. But um, Jason Schreier did tweet that it should come out either this year or next year. So it's not even that far away. Yeah. Um, and then Respawn is also working on a Star Wars first-person shooter from the team that most recently made Medal of Honor Above and Beyond, which is a VR game, but supposedly this Star Wars first-person shooter is not a VR game. Um, Interesting. Are you interested in a Star Wars first-person shooter? 
That I am that not. is maybe not Battlefront, which is a confusing thing. No, I again. I mean, I watch uh, the Disney Plus shows like uh, The Mandalorian and uh, The Book of Boba Fett, and I think those are great and fun, and I enjoy those. But it's not super a universe I care about, and so unless there's like cool mechanics or it just like looks fun in general, it just being a Star Wars game isn't really going to pull me in. Yeah, and the thing is, I used to be a relatively big star wars fan like i i love the original trilogy uh i'm not as big a fan of the prequels i think they're not they're sort of so so but i really hate the sequel trilogy (laughs) and i have not really liked any of the movies that they've made with disney um and so that and the fact that disney when they bought lucas film like killed off all the expanded universe stuff um yeah it's just been like a bummer, like one bummer after another for Star Wars. And so my interest level has declined rapidly for that series. But <laughs> there was a time back in like the, you know, the GameCube and PlayStation 2 and Xbox era where they were coming out with some really good Star Wars games that I was really into. Um, and so it is a little bit of a bummer to like go from that time in the star wars era to where we are now but it it has felt like a long time since there have been a like a lot of good star wars games so maybe they will come up uh with some cool stuff many on the horizon yeah and then uh the other one the the third game the star wars game that's in development is from bit reactor which is the XCOM developer so some sort of uh like tactics style um, real-time strategy game in the Star Wars universe, which is not something I'm super into, but I feel like that's <laughs> exciting for a certain group of people. Yeah, of all of these, I think that's the one I'm most likely to take a look at. Really? I, I'm the other way, where I think of the three of these, I would probably play the first-person shooter, but that's just because <laughs> I like I love uh, an XCOM-style like combat tactical game. Yeah, I'm kind of so-so on those. I I don't know. Maybe it'll be interesting. Who knows? Um, but speaking of games that have been announced or unveiled, Yacht Club Games, the developer of the... I keep wanting to say Hollow Knight, but it's not Hollow Knight. It's uh, Shovel, Shovel Knight. Knight. Um, Minna the Hollower? I don't know if I'm saying that right. Yes. Uh, did you see this trailer? I did, and it set my brain on fire. Yeah, so this is sort because of a pixel art. It looks great. Um, pixel art game that's sort of an 8-bit aesthetic, and it kind of looks um, almost like a like a Game Boy or NES game. Yeah. Uh, what did you What do you think of this? It's interesting. I it's 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 weird that it has the lower like uh, bar like those types of game did. Uh, so the screen feels a little bit cramped and smaller as a result. There's like a lower bar that has like your health and items, similar to a Castlevania yeah. style thing. Um, I'm super interested in it. I have never played Shovel Knight. It's on my list of things to play. Um, but by all accounts, it's a huge success and they supported it for years and years and had it had like an insane amount of free DLC. And there was uh, maybe there was also paid DLC, but... Everybody loves Hollow Knight, or uh, sorry, I'm doing it. Yeah. Uh, Shovel Knight, 
And so this looks great to me. I love a Zelda-like. This seems like it's going to be a little bit of like a Castlevania meets uh, like Link to the Past style. Thing. Yeah, that was my impression. The as music well. sounds great. Uh, I like the main character as a cute little rat uh, or mouse, I guess. But uh, I'm all about this. What do you think about this? Yeah, I did watch uh, Game Informer had done like a new gameplay today where they showed off some gameplay of it, and they were talking about how it seems really hard. Which is maybe a little mm. bit off-putting to me, but um, I do like the style of it. It definitely reminds me of like the sort of top-down sort of Zelda Link to the Past style, like NES, Super NES era game. The art is great. Like the character portraits, whenever you talk to someone, are so solid. The animation, even though it looks eight-bit, it like uh, it animates really it well. Animates like a current game. It looks. I'm super excited about it. Yeah, it does look really, really good, I'll say. Uh, It's on Kickstarter right now. Um, That is the only weird thing, and I don't understand why it's on Kickstarter. Yeah, that was a little bit surprising to me when I saw this. I was like, oh, but it's on Kickstarter. Interesting. But um, I don't really understand that. Yeah. I guess they're an indie studio, so... So how how long until they get bought by somebody? (laughs) Yeah, really. I mean, I guess Kickstarter makes sense if you need that initial like fundraising push but uh i mean shovel knight is such a success and shovel knight is one of those things where you see merchandise for it in like targets so like i would think they're not doing terrible money yeah i thought they were big enough that they wouldn't need to use kickstarter to launch a game but maybe 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 it is purely that they need you know more people or something and they need this initial fundraising push to like a bunch of money fast and then they can you know parse it out i don't really know i mean they also i mean they're all about they supported shovel knight for so long yeah i could see them being like well here's a bunch of stretch goals uh and you know if we continue to earn money through this kickstarter we'll add more and more to this game and make it even longer and increase the tail of it yeah so it'll be interesting to follow i i don't think they had any sort of like expected release date just yet but um I don't know. It looks it looks cool. It'll be something that'll be fun to follow. Um, but speaking of other new games that I guess it wasn't announced because we already knew this game was coming, but they did release a new the date was announced. trailer. And yeah, they they did a release date. Ghostwire Tokyo. Did you uh, get a chance to watch this? This looked crazy to me because yeah. it is a first person shooter but you're all you're using like hand gestures to create different like elements in the air and it all has all this like you know japanese ghosts and whatnot but it's uh, a very unique looking game and i'm pretty interested in it what do you think yeah it was almost like you're in like a post-apocalyptic tokyo where instead of like zombies or like vampires or something like that it's all just like weird ghosts yokai yeah and uh it did look cool like i think the graphics look really good and it is sort of a weird thing to have a first person shooter where you're not really using guns you're just like waving your hands and doing magic but that made me think of um there's a character in overwatch moira i think who basically does that too where she's sort of a, a, a healer support character that is using some sort of magic and she's just sort of waving her hands when you you like pull the trigger and this kind of made me think of that, but um, makes me think of his, uh, what's the robot monk Zenyatta? Oh yeah, Zenyatta. That's another good one. Um, he also does like weird hand gesture things. Yeah, so it made me think of that. So it, it's not that I guess 
when I initially watched it, I was like, I don't know if I've ever seen a, a first-person shooter where you're not using a gun and you're using your hands. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's like a bunch of characters in Overwatch that do that, so never mind. <laughs> um, yeah, it seems interesting. This uh, uh, When did they say this was coming? March something? March 22nd, maybe, or 25th? The first half of this year is just packed. So yeah. that's insane. But I... I definitely want to play this. The The question for me is, is this not coming out on PC initially? This is a sort of a PlayStation thing where they launch a game on console and then they wait like six months to yeah. a year before they launch a PC version. But I think you can pre-order it on Steam right now, actually. Oh, can you? So day and date, that would be nice. Maybe, yeah. Because uh, I, I was thinking while I was watching this, I was like, it'd be nice to have something new to play on my PlayStation, but it, it's also a first person yeah. shooter. So I kind of would rather play it with mouse and keyboard. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I want to play this game. I'm just sort of back and forth on which platform I want to play it on. Uh, do you think you'll pick this up? I don't know. Uh, I think I'm, in, I'm definitely going to watch someone play it. It remains to be seen if the person I'm watching play it is myself. <laughs> Yeah, and I guess you don't necessarily get a good sense of like what the map looks like and if this is a first-person game or if it's a little bit more linear. I assume it's an open-world game, but uh, like I, it looks like it to no, me. Yeah. No sure indication of that from this trailer, but definitely go check out the trailer if you're interested in Ghostwire Tokyo and for whatever reason you haven't seen it yet. It looks it looks pretty cool. Uh, I'm definitely interested. Uh, now, you threw something in here. Uh, GTA 6 is in development. Yes, and uh, Jason Schreier also tweeted about this, that he predicts that we could see something about it this year with a, he said in quotes, a fake release date of 2023 that eventually slides uh, to 2024. But yeah, they came out and they said, guess what? Uh, we actually are making GTA 6, so get ready for that. Um, and it's in active development. It's been in active development. So, uh, that's exciting. People have wanted, I mean, GTA, man, GTA five came out on Xbox 360. So that's what I played it on. At yeah, least. I did as well. Um, and it's had a very long tail because of GTA online. And then Red Dead Redemption came out and the single player game of that was great. And then I don't know how people, pl- uh, people feel about, the the online Red Dead Redemption online, but I don't think it is as popular as GTA Five continues to be. So they have also said that this one is much more ambitious than previous GTA games. So I don't know what that means. But um, what are your thoughts on that? What do you want from a GTA Six? Well, I mean, you have to start with the location. Uh, what are you thinking? Yes. Um, are, are they going to go to like a Vice City type of a thing? Because I feel like that would be cool. That is a rumor that I heard. Yeah. Vice City would be super, super cool because we've seen modern day GTA 4 was basically a reimagining of GTA 3 in that it was kind of like in a New York style place. Right. And then GTA 5 was a reimagining of San Andreas a little bit because they were both in California. Yeah. But we have never seen a kind of a remake or a remaster or like a modern day version of Vice City. And I think that that... Uh, I feel like that's the that one I want really well. most, maybe. 
Unless they go just like really off the wall and they go to like a foreign country, which I mean that could be cool, but but I feel like they that wouldn't. would be crazy. Yeah, I mean, no, I think it, I I believe that it has to be in America. I, I mean, I think you're right. I also feel like it has to be in America. But the the two things I would want most if I was making a wish list uh, for GTA, it would be uh, either going to a foreign country for the first time in the franchise or mm. just doing a Vice City place because i did not play vice city and i kind of don't want to go back even though they've done like the remasters that came out recently i kind of don't want to go back and play like an older you should not i mean it was very it was great when i played it as a child but uh i don't think it would hold up but the music it was great and just like everything about gta vice city was maybe my favorite one that came out until gta 5 uh which was just like you could just mess around in that game forever, but um, yeah, I think I I feel like Vice City is a safe bet, but I don't really know what else they could do. Um, they could do a Vegas that would be interesting. Yeah, that, or, yeah, that would be interesting. Certainly for like where the story could go for that, but I'm trying to think of other things. I feel like. I am not super interested in any sort of thing where they are, it's like a town right on the border of America and Mexico, which I feel like is something that might happen. Um, I'm more interested in, yeah, I think Vice City would be my my preferred one. I'm trying to think of somewhere else that is equally interesting to me. I remember reading at one point people speculating on what a GTA set in London might look like. and That's interesting. That would be pretty cool, but also maybe stepping on the toes Watch of Dogs. Uh, the last Watch Dogs. Yeah, um, which did like a complete digitization of London or whatever. That was a cool game. I liked that game, and, and exploring London was like the yeah. coolest part of that game, so maybe we don't need gta to also tread that same ground but yeah it'll be interesting to see i mean according to jason schreier we might get uh information about this later this year so we might it might the location will probably be revealed to us hopefully which would be cool yeah hopefully i mean it's been so long since gta 5 yeah i mean it's crazy still selling like crazy and people are still playing it which is insane to me but Ready for a new one. Ready for a new GT. I don't really mess around with the online stuff, so for me it is more just about the single-player story and all of that. So definitely ready for a new one. Uh, so this is something that I thought was launching now, but it was not. So Apex <laughs> Legends announced a new game mode called Control, and uh, apparently this is coming next week as we're recording this so i guess as this podcast is going up it's probably this week um but i have not played apex legends for a long time and i thinking thinking that this was coming out now uh, as the like all the articles came out about it i did re-download apex legends and i was like okay let's check this mode out and so i jumped in and First of all, it was not there, and I was like, oh, well, that's kind of a bummer. And But they did have another mode that's kind of like uh, Trials and Destiny. So I played a round of that and, oh. and felt uh, bad for my teammates. Uh, I mean, granted, <laughs> they were not exactly lighting up the scoreboard, so it was not like a big deal, but like, I did not do well. 
but anyway, yeah, so this is sort of more like a traditional like Call of Duty or Battlefield style mode um, where you stand near points to capture them. And this is exactly the kind of thing that I would play in. Like, cause I always liked Apex Legends, uh, just like the movement and the controls and like um, everything about the game. I just am not a huge Battle Royale fan. So mm-hmm. I do more, I'm more drawn to like traditional uh, like Call of Duty and Battlefield style game modes. So I do think I'll check this out. Um, what about you? I might. Um, like you, I have uh, downloaded Apex Legends a ton of times. Like I had it when it was on the whatever its original launcher was and I had a really good time with it. And then I kind of dropped off of it and uninstalled it. And then uh, when it came out on Switch, I was like, whoa, let's try this out. And it was not good on Switch. <laughs> uh, and then I think when it came out on Steam, I was like, yeah, I'll check this out again. And I played a couple matches, and it was fun. But at this point, I don't have it downloaded again. I would check this out, though. And I think I probably will download Apex Legends again just to experience this. We should play some together and maybe get some gameplay of it and talk about it. Yeah, we should do a video on it. Um I'm I'm definitely excited to try it out once it actually comes out. Uh, the question will be like, will it be successful enough to like stick around, or is this just like a seasonal? Like this is going to be around for a little bit and then it'll go away. Um, yeah. Which is probably what will happen, unfortunately. But it, it's maybe the only thing that would get me to jump back into Apex Legends, even though I like <laughs> that game. Like if I were to pick a battle royale that I was going to like jump into and play a bunch of it would be apex legends but also i just i don't really love battle royale so uh so that out of the way do you want to talk about what we've been playing yes we've talked about this off pod quite a bit but uh i got the itch i came up with a metaphor for this that i think is not really going to work with your diet but i think it is solid (laughs) i was going to ask you what, Um, what caused you to to jump back into this game so i got that i i mean we both played metroid dread and it was great and it kind of opened our eyes i think both of us to the idea that metroidvanias are actually uh a good game type of (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and so i was looking at lists like top metroidvanias you can play and hollow knight kept popping up and that was a game i initially avoided not just because it was uh, a Metroidvania, but to me, outwardly, having only seen like a couple minutes of gameplay, for some reason it looked like a like a Newgrounds game to me, like a Flash game from back mm. in the day. And after playing it, I realized it is not that. The animation is beautiful and wonderful, but um, to me, it just seemed like something I was not interested in. But because it was getting like number one on all these like top ten, top fifteen Metroidvania things, I was like, I'll check it out. So I got it on Switch. And man, oh man, is it a great game. And I came up with this metaphor. Um, Metroid Dread is kind of like McDonald's in that it is super solid. They have thousands of locations. So like Nintendo similarly has the ability to just like iterate. It knows all about games. It can create this package, this perfect Big Mac of a game that is just this, like, universally loved food item that 
um, is like scientifically designed to be perfectly like able to be eaten. Similarly, Metroid Dread is just like it's so easy to pick up and learn and get through. We talked about how it kind of holds your hands very subtly where it like is so well designed that it will show you an elevator basically when you're done with the place and you don't need to go explore anymore. And Hollow Knight is like going to a hole-in-the-wall diner for dinner, or breakfast, rather. It's not as refined, I would say. It's not as universally uh, desired as a McDonald's, but, man, you can get some crazy stuff there, and, it like, the menu is giant, and it's just, like, in the long run, much better for a lot of reasons. It's it's very difficult, and because it's had so much DLC, like, I'm picking it up years after. I mean, I think this came out, like, three or four years ago. It had, like, four or five DLCs that came out for it that are now all just incorporated into the game. So the scale of it is insane. Like, the map is crazy. And there are all these little side quests that I just, like, am aware of, but I have no idea how to complete yet. I... I got to a point where I did get a little stuck and I was just wandering around for a while. And at that point, I was almost like, maybe I should stop playing this. But I looked up a little bit of a guide because there are so many guides for this game because it has such a big following. Um, I looked up a guide and it kind of showed me the path that I need to go through to get the double jump. And once I got that, again, I was just like, man, there's so many things I could do. Where should I? It's almost open world, even though it's a Metroidvania, because there are so many things I could so many things I could be pursuing. Apparently there are like 10 different endings as well. So I'm trying hard to get the best ending, but man, it is, uh, it's, it's all I think about. Like I started playing it last weekend and this week at work, I was just like, man, I wonder what this means. Or like, I wonder how I upgrade this thing. And I would just like look at, I would be like Googling things on my phone. Like, I wonder how I upgrade your, uh, like spell or whatever and i would look up like a little youtube video about how to do it it's like i'll come home and i'll play like two hours i think i have like 12 hours in it right now but maybe more than that it's just uh it's a game that i very much recommend i guess is my thesis statement (laughs) so this is um a uh whatchamacallit where when you die you kind of like start over right it is it's almost no. It's it's like a bloodborne. It's like a souls like almost. So because you just respawn at like a campfire somewhere. Yeah, basically. So the campfires in this game are benches. So you, if you find a bench, you can sit on it and kind of relax, and it refills your souls or whatever. Are they plentiful or are they like few and far between? Sparse. They're sparse. So and it is a little. That's another thing about it being a little difficult. Is it's not like uh, Metroid, where like if you. They were so good about letting you save right before a boss, and then you immediately get to jump back into that boss when you beat it. Like, you, when you die at a boss, it's not great. Like, sometimes if you haven't sat at a bench close to the boss, if you were just exploring and you just stumbled upon the boss, you're going to go all the way back to where you were, which is kind of a bummer. But it makes it extremely tense when you're exploring a new area, especially if it's an area you're not sure if you're supposed to be in yet. Because it will let you get to some places where things are very powerful. And so if you are if you run into something, it's also very easy to get hit in this game. Like, uh, much like a Dark Souls, 
you really have to be cautious when you're exploring and like you're looking for that bench because you want to have that spawn point in the area because when you die you lose all your geo which is your uh like your currency but also your little soul bottle or whatever breaks so you can't collect as much soul as normal so you can't heal as quickly so you really want to get back you can't even if you were fighting a boss you can't really go back to that boss until you've like reconciled this and gotten your abilities back basically so it also has a lot of very challenging platforming um, that will frustrate you, and if you die in that platforming, your little soul guy is just going to be uh, stuck in that platforming area, and you basically have to get back there. And if you die getting to him, all your geo are going to be lost. But I actually just unlocked a guy in the main town that you can pay money to, and he'll just bring your spirit back to you, and you'll still have to fight it. To you have to fight your spirit whenever you want to retain it or get it back. But that's super useful, and I probably will end up using that. But it's uh, It has also made me very, very excited for the long-awaited sequel, Silk Song, which is has been in the de- development for quite a while, uh, but we haven't really heard anything about in quite a long time. And uh, I think that game is going to be just, again, just like an iteration unto itself of the mechanics, and it's going to be even tighter and greater than Hollow Knight, is my prediction. Um, so I'm very excited for that as well. Yeah, everybody's talking about that game. I mean, everybody loves Hollow Knight, and everybody speaks it's about true. it very, very highly. Uh, it's a game that I started way back when it first came out, and I think I was a little bit put off by the fact that like the benches were so far apart, and I yeah. kept dying and uh, felt like I was having to replay a lot of things that I didn't want to just replay over and over again. So I fell off of (laughs) it, but also like at that time I had not played Metroid Dread and so I hadn't sort of had the itch for Metroidvania style games just yet. So it's something that I have considered going back to play ever since Metroid Dread. Um, And it kind of like that game and Dead Cells came out the same year, I think. And I think that's true. Yeah. Like both of those games have uh, in particular dead cells has gotten a whole bunch of like DLC and like stuff uh, recently even. So it's been like in the news. And so it's something that I've thought about going back to Um, it kind of uh, hollow Knight kind of makes me think a little bit of grime, uh, which I played some of last year. And that's a game that is probably a little bit, slower paced in terms of like your movement and some of the mechanics than hollow knight which seems a little bit faster and um, yes i don't know what the word is but uh unforgiving well i mean grime is a tough game too because it's also a souls like where um the combat can be a little bit challenging especially against like a boss and you're sort of saving at particular points along the map uh, mm-hmm. But Grime kind of feels a little bit more linear where it's not. Um, so Hollow Knight almost seems just like uh, from the outside looking in and having not played very much of it myself. Um, it seems sort of like some sort of middle ground between Grime and Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Because that mm. game is sort of similarly like a... Um, like kind of an open world, like 2D open world 
where you can basically go around and you'll eventually come upon an area that you can't really go anywhere until you get like a new ability and then you can sort of backtrack and you can go back to that area and like it'll unlock the ability to go to like a new place um, that you weren't able to access before um and that also has some kind of difficult combat. In fact, I I was playing uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps over Christmas, and then I fell off of it because I got stuck at a boss. And I was like, I'm not <laughs> sure I have what I need to be able to get through this fight. So, um, but that was a... I will say that... What were you going to say? I was going to say that seemed like uh, a really cool game that I really liked, but I don't know at this point if maybe I've you know put it away for too long to go back to it at this point but i think that if you do end up playing hollow knight i think it don't be afraid to look at guides especially for defeating bosses because i reached a point where i was stuck and i could not progress the story because i needed to there might have been actually a secret way to get past this that i was not aware of but to me, it seemed that I had to defeat this boss that was basically three different bosses back to back. And I really, I banged my head up against it for a while. And it was one of those bosses that's not close to a bench. So I kind of had to go back to it every time. Um, but then I looked at a guide for it. I watched like a two minute and 30 second video of like this guy who was very straightforward. Just like, here's what you need to do. These are all the attacks. This is what you do when they attack. And it was still very, very challenging. But after watching that video and like two more attempts, I was able to do it. And I felt really, really satisfied. And then I was able to press the story and I got to a really cool area. Like there are so many very cool areas that are just like beautifully drawn. All of it is like hand drawn. And the the music is excellent. There's specifically like, I haven't been to every area, but uh, there's an area called like the Green Path that's all like, uh, wrought iron and bushes and things like that. And the music in that place is wonderful. It almost reminds me of like a Studio Ghibli film. Um, but it's just, uh, it's all I'm thinking about right now. And I'm excited to play more of it. Every every time I think I get caught and like stuck in an area, I'll, I will look up a little guide and then that will get me over the hump. And then I can play it for another couple hours before I need to do that again. But uh, it's just like I really want to get the best ending, and to do that, I think I'm gonna have to play a lot of it. But I'm, I'm, my goal is to get the best ending, or at least whatever the canonical ending is, uh, before Silk Song comes out. So hopefully, Nintendo doesn't have a direct next week that's like Silk Song is coming out, <laughs> because then I'm really gonna have to put some hours in. Yeah. Um... It, it sounds a lot like Grime. I think, like, obviously you're busy with this, but I mean. At some point, you should definitely check out Grime because I think you would like it a lot. Yeah, but um, I think I'm a, a Metroidvania guy now, so I probably well, will. So here's the thing: I I think I'm also a little bit of a Metroidvania person, but um, the thing that keeps me from being like completely over the moon for them, even though I do really like them and I'm finding myself more and more drawn to them, is I do find myself almost always needing to look up a guide. It's not like a game that I can just sit back and enjoy and play. And like, if I get stuck somewhere, if I just keep at it long enough, I'll figure it out. There are times in these games where I'm just like, I don't know what to do, or I'm like at a (laughs) boss that I simply cannot beat. And so I either need to look up a guide or I'm just going to fall off of this game and not, not continue with it. And so 
that is the thing that kind of keeps me from being like 100% all in. I'm like, yeah, like 85, 90% in on them. Uh, it's just that <laughs> one thing that if I can like get over that hurdle of being able to play through these games without a guide, um, maybe I would be 100% a Metroidvania person. Uh, I have been playing a Metroidvania style game. Well, I have been playing is maybe too generous. I started one <laughs> that I think is that Do I think tell. is really cool. It's called Death's Gambit. Wait, yeah, Death's Gambit Afterlife. So this is a, a oh, you told me about it's this. A, yeah, a game that I think came out originally in 2018 as Death's Gambit, and it like uh like people had some complaints about it and so they relaunched the game as death gambit afterlife that came with i think some additional content and they just like fixed uh most if not all of the problems that people had with it and now it's just this like beloved game um that i don't think ever got as much attention as something like a hollow knight or a dead cells for some reason but the i really like the pixel art uh style of it i it's beautiful, uh, yeah. I'm looking at video the, of it right now, and it's it's the gorgeous. music is great. It's got a great soundtrack. It's just like, it's a really cool game. I think I like. I need to play more of it, but like so far, I've been enjoying it. And it's similar uh, to what you were saying uh, with Hollow Knight, where I think w- when you die, you do have to like, you you'll restart at like the light the last place that you save. So it's sort of a, a souls like in that regard as well. And you'll have to go back to where you died to pick up whatever you dropped. Um, so it's got that uh, as well. So that seems to be another staple of the genre, I guess, but um, <laughs> there's a bunch of different weapons that you can use. Uh, and so you're, it's also an RPG. So like you're, when you go back to, or when you find a, a new campsite basically you're able to like spend points to level up your character and put different points into different attributes and you're probably going to pick different attributes depending on what type of weapon you're using and i think you can swap those at the campsites as well as well and you're like getting these different perks that you can like spend points on and so it's like a souls like metroidvania rpg and so that is all up my alley right now and so uh, I've been enjoying that. I, I want to play more of it, but I do also feel like a bunch of games are going to come out. I'm just going to fall off of it, unfortunately. <laughs> but it, it's a yeah. very cool game. It just got a Switch, a physical Switch release in January, so I picked it up, and so that I've been playing some of that. Um, I've also played a little uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus, and Ooh. I'm not super far just yet. I, I've taken out the first boss or I've gotten through that section of the game, and it is probably the best Pokemon game that I've played, I would say. That's what I've heard. It's uh, You're the second person who said that it's probably the best Pokemon game they've ever played. Yeah, because it, it feels more like, you know, it's not open world, but it, you know how those open world games you'll like go to a town and they'll just be a bunch of people that have these icons above their head and you can go talk to them and get like a little side quest. They, they've got all of that going mm-hmm. on and you can just, the, the fact that it's not just like top down linear pathways where you're just like going from city to city. Um, and you're actually going out 
into this like sort of similar to the wild area and um you can like sneak up on a pokemon and just throw a pokeball at it and catch it and the fact that doing that over and over again and like battling and using different moves and all these different things sort of fills out the pokedex because you don't just have that already and so you're Mm. kind of working on building that for the first time like all of that makes it feel so much different than just like a standard mainline pokemon game which is like that series has gotten so stale (laughs) in so many ways that just like having something that feels similar but different is i I can't really explain it it's just like uh it's definitely the best one that i've played so far i have never really been into pokemon for whatever reason i love to look at them i played a lot of pokemon go but uh I want. I, th- I think it's because I want to just have like five Pokemon and not have to worry about catching any more, and that's the antithesis of what Pokemon should be. Yeah. Um, but I am interested to watch someone play this, and I probably will get it from my girlfriend, and she'll play it. And at that point, I will be all in. I was gonna say the the thing. I, like again, I'm not super far into it, and I will say like in most Pokemon games, I will find like the perfect like loadout of like six pokemon or whatever it is there's like okay i've got somebody you're dual wielding i've got pokemon. somebody to deal with this i've got somebody to deal with that and i've got somebody to deal with this other thing so i'm good i'm just gonna like level these pokemon up forever and not deal with it like swapping them in and out if i can avoid it anyway like if i have to if i'm, I'm coming across a gym where the leader is like a certain type of Pokemon and I, I definitely need to swap some out and like grind for a little while. I'll do it. But like for the most part, I'm going to stick with just this handful of Pokemon and that's going to be the ones. But with this game, um, I've heard that you can't do that because you are trying to fill out the Pokedex. So that means you have to be swapping them in and out. So we'll see if that yeah. gets on my nerves or not at all. Cause I'm kind of like you, I just want to have like certain ones and just like deal with them and that's it. But we'll mm-hmm. see. Um, I, I'm definitely, it, it's the kind of game that I am like surprisingly excited to like play more of when I jump back into it. And that has not been the case for Pokemon for quite a while. So, <laughs> uh, anything else you've been playing, watching? I watched that new Ghostbusters Afterlife because it came became rentable on Google Play, and I actually really liked it. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch that. Maybe I should rent it. It's like, uh, I think I had very low expectations for it, and it exceeded them. Uh, the, probably the worst part was the kid from Stranger Things, but everything else I thought was great. Like, Paul Rudd is always charming, and uh, the effects were really good, and they used the old score from the old Ghostbusters movies, like the like flutes and piano or whatever. Um, so I was really into it. I liked it a lot. Uh, I, so my brother actually provided me with some Netflix. And so I finally have Netflix for the first time in a really long time. And so I marathoned the latest season of Cobra Kai, (laughs) which is, uh, it's a dumb show that I can't stop watching is what I'll (laughs) say about it. It's like so corny and cheesy and probably not something that you would enjoy, but the characters are just layered enough 
and they do enough with like sort of shifting like allegiances that it just keeps things interesting i don't know it's a weird show that like is bad but it like has its hooks in me and i don't know why <laughs> there you go. Uh, and then also i did start the second season of the witcher and i am enjoying it. yes i still need to do that i'm enjoying i've that. heard it's good yeah i'm enjoying that so far and um i want to watch more of it i will probably try to watch more of it this weekend but um but that's it so do you have any parting wisdom well on the flip side speaking of a show that is good and has my hook or has its hooks in me if anybody is not watching attack on titan you should really be watching it because the final season is happening right now and it's insane um, this is definitely directed at me because you know that I yeah. am partway through and I have not gotten caught up yet. Try not to get any spoilers, but uh, man, oh man, it's uh, stuff's happening. <laughs> it's very interesting. Yeah, that's a, a show that like it sort of bums me out, but also it's like very mm. interesting. <laughs> so I do yeah. want to like I get I it. I do yeah. want to see where it is going, but. Yeah. But that's it from me. All right. Well, uh, follow us on Twitter at Starside Cafe. Follow our Instagram at Starside Cafe. And subscribe to our YouTube channel at Starside Cafe. And uh, leave us a review for this podcast on Spotify or Apple. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>